Welcome to the Leap Health in the Workplace podcast. Leap Health empowers individuals and organizations to improve both their physical and mental health. In this podcast, we explore innovative, bespoke, proven health solutions that will improve your personal and professional productivity and happiness. I'm Anna Reddy. Let's get ready to make small steps to Leap Health. So hello and welcome to the podcast today and this is all about how you can avoid the marketing traps when you're choosing your food. So we all get drawn into marketing messages and in a busy world it's really hard to make a balanced decision about everything because we're that busy that we don't have time for the decision making process. So here are a few pointers that might help you answer this question and the question is do higher price tags, prettier packaging, Famous brands and promoted features mean that a food is highly nutritious. And hopefully after the next few points, you will be able to make your own decision on the answer for that. So the first thing we're going to explore is fat-free. And this was really trendy quite a few number of years ago. Um, and it is quite an older marketing phrase and craze, really. Um, in some cases, though, a lower-fat version might be better. So if you're going to be reducing your trans fats or your saturated fats, or your really highly processed fats, then that is a good thing. And you're probably going to be making better nutritional choices. Also, it's a way to reduce your total calorie intake. So one gram of fat has about eight calories, whereas a gram of protein or a gram of carbs has just four calories. So there's more calories per gram with fat. However, not all fat is bad. And actually, a lot of healthy fat is beneficial and essential to many bodily functions and we need these healthy fats. So these are the unsaturated fats. If you want to know more about this, I have done a short video which explores healthy fats and stories so far and that's available on the website at www.leaphealth.co.uk and it's also available on social media and my LinkedIn on Instagram as well. So what do they replace the fat with though when they label it fat free? Well, often the fat is replaced with extra sugar, extra sweeteners or flavorings. So it's not just that it's been taken away and nothing else has been added. So just be wary and be mindful of what ingredients have been added. Um, so as we said, fat, although you know it's got a higher number of calories and it could be saturated or unsaturated fats, which are not particularly cardiovascular friendly for us, Fat does create a sense of satiety. So although you might be eating something that's fat-free, you might be thinking, well, I can have loads more of this, it's probably not creating the satiety and satisfaction and fullness that you need. So you could potentially end up eating more of the lower fat version, which doesn't necessarily mean it's low in calories because the sugar can contain a lot of calories. Um, so therefore, you could actually be consuming more calories by going for the fat-free version. So that was point one. The next one is high protein. And this is pretty trendy right now. Um, and admittedly, protein is vital for many bodily functions. And essentially, we get quite a lot of protein really to maintain muscle mass and grow our muscles um, and protect lots of our bodily functions. Um, but marketeers are wise this and are labeling protein on everything left, right and center. So just because a label says it's high in protein, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good quality protein. Or, this is an important point, is that it has all the nine essential amino acid proteins that our body needs. And these are the essential amino acids that our body can't create and we have to get from our diet. 
So an example might be you could get a really highly processed meat snack um, or a protein powder that's got loads and loads of flavorings and sweeteners adders and things, which really might not be as nutritious as just simply picking up two hard boiled eggs. So just be wise about the marketing um, and there might be a lot simpler, cheaper, more nutritious options. So always try and ch- try and choose those that are minimally processed. So we've already said, you know, eggs, nothing's done with them. Things like natural yogurt, milk is just a staple and yet full of protein. Um, other point to consider is if you were vegan, um, you might struggle to get those proteins from dairy products. So try and mix up your grains um, because not every grain has a full essential amino acid profile so if you mix them up then there's more like a chance that you're going to get that full range of the non-essential amino acids so for instance if you're in like lentils maybe mix them up with chickpeas uh, brown rice and, uh, and other grains also don't be tricked in to the, the the thought that maybe a protein bar which you could easily make 20 at home for, for the same price of, as one is better than what you can make at home because it's not. This is all about convenience and this is how marketers sell it to you. But if you actually found yourself a recipe, it would take you a really minimal amount of time. You chop them all up into individual portions and freeze them to whenever you want them and take them out when you want them. And you would save yourself loads of money and probably getting more nutrition as well. And as I said, often when brands are labelled saying high protein, they're not necessarily always are. And quite recently, I picked up a peanut butter that actually said it was enriched with protein. And when I looked at that compared to the standard one, which was by the same brand, there was exactly the same amount of protein in it. So just be wise to that protein label. The next one is vegan. And again, more and more people are choosing to go vegan now, which has loads of benefits because by defect, you're generally going to be eating more plants because that's going to be the majority and primarily what your, your diet is based around. And we all know that plants are full of loads and loads of nutrients, have loads and loads of different amazing benefits. Um, so therefore, it is generally going to improve your health. But I did say generally, because not all vegans base the diet around plants. And some choose foods that are labelled vegan. They might choose sweets are labelled vegan. Highly processed meat alternatives are labelled vegans. Um, There's lots of desserts that are full full of sugars, flavourings and sweeteners that, again, are labelled vegan. So just because the label says vegan does not necessarily mean it's full of nutrients. The next one is portion size, and this can be a real con. So often when you look on cereal packets, it'll show on the front um, how much sugar's in there, how much calories are in there. um, And you can think, well, that doesn't look too bad, actually. It's quite low. But if you look at the actual portion size, it's based on a 30-gram serving, which is the size of a variety pack. So that's based upon a child serving, which even I think is pretty tiny for a child. That wouldn't keep them full up and feeling energised until lunchtime. Um, so it's really unlikely that the portion that they put on the, fruit of, uh, on the front of um, packaging is likely to fill you up and likely to give you enough nutrition and nutritious properties that you actually need. So if you are opting for a sugary cereal, it's quite easy to have a high amount of sugar 
um, to get the satiety, the satiety that you need, you're probably likely to really, really over overindulge on the amount that they've suggested on the front of the packet. And consuming too much sugar also has its risks in terms of the peaks and troughs in your blood sugar levels, which not only impact on your mental and physical health, but really don't give you that sense of fullness and don't keep you full consistently over over a sustained period of time. So always look carefully at the portion size um, and be mindful that often marketeers will show the portion size for the minimal amount that you're going to eat. And it's not about eating small amounts. It's about getting the right nutrients on board. The next one is organic. Um, again, a lot more things are labelled organic now and organic food is often a lot more expensive than non-organic because of the way that it's grown and the time that it takes to grow it and the processes or not processes that it goes through. So it's a lot less feasible to produce organic food at the scale at which you can produce non-organic food. So therefore, the cost is higher. Um, it's important to note that in the UK, pesticides are regulated and we have quite strict regulations around pesticides. So it's you know, probably safer in the UK to, to buy non-organic food rather than outside of the UK where they're not as regulated. Um, but it has been shown in studies um, that pesticides have got a link between hormone disruption, respiratory problems, uh, some cancers and a whole host of other things. Um, but as I said, it is regulated. So the chances are that they're not at a level where they would impact you hugely. However, it might be useful to opt for organic food, particularly in certain things. So if you wanted to prioritise your spending, there will be a link in the show notes to this podcast and also on my website as well of the Dirty Dozen. And the Dirty Dozen shows the fruits and vegetables that were found to be the highest in pesticides in 2018 and 2019. And I will update this over time as new data becomes available. So within the Dirty Dozen, they included um, a list from highest to lowest. And this included things such as grapefruit, clementines, mandarins, Satsumas, strawberries, grapes, lemons, peaches, nectarines, pears, spinach, and chilies. Um, I usually do generally go for a rule of thumb, though. If you can peel something, then it means there's less chance of the pesticides getting through to that fruit. Um, but yeah, if you want to get savvy with your spending on organic, just try and choose the dirty button. The next point, which is the sixth point, is no added sugar. So again, right now, sugar is deemed to be the enemy. And in many situations, you know, a lot of sugar is, is not beneficial for us. But we still need a certain amount of sugar for our body to function. Um, and people might think, yeah, I'll go for the no added option because that might be the best option. And in some cases, yes, it might. But beware that a bag of sugar could actually be labelled no added sugar because there's nothing added to it. Um, just as many other things can say there's no added sugar if the natural ingredients are sugar. Um, so also added sugar, also sugar might be uh, substituted by artificial flavourings again and sweeteners, which also they don't come without caution, which you're probably aware. So try to choose a low sugar option with 
without lots of the substitutes. Um, and it's also good to remember that you can always sweeten things up with fruit. So for instance, rather than going for a yogurt that has no added sugar, but probably a load of added sweetness, just try natural yogurt with berries rather than you know going for those substitute, those uh, non-natural substitutes. The next one is multigrain. And multigrain sounds dead healthy, doesn't it? And it sounds like it's going to be full of goodness, which in many cases it is. But it actually just means a mixture of grains. So it doesn't necessarily mean the whole grain, which a lot of people would interpret it to mean the whole grain. So you can still have the grains removed from the kennel, including the germ, bran and endosperm. So it's still not it's still not in its whole form, which you might think it was by saying multigrain. So in addition to this, many multigrain things can be highly processed still with added saturated fats such as crisps or added sugar such as cereal bars. So again, it's a healthy, healthy label, but not necessarily always healthy. So dig deep into those labels. And this brings me on to the next point, which is the list of ingredients. So if you look on the back, it will always have the list of ingredients that are in that food. And it's good to know that the foods are listed in terms of the, the amount in of, of each ingredient in the food first. So for instance, say the main ingredient in a food was sugar, that would be listed first. However, sugar can be listed as many different things Um labelled as different things, as different names um, that might be given for sugars and different compounds. Um, so you just need to be aware of what things actually are. And if you see that the first few think ingredients on the list are maybe sugars, e-numbers, things that you don't recognise, trans fats, saturated fats, this might actually be a warning sign that maybe you're best staying clear of it. The next one is a traffic light system. And we often see this on uh, many food labels where you've got the red, amber and green to tell you, you know, what good levels in terms of calories, fats, sugars. Um, and it's advised now that all foods do follow the traffic light system. But in reality, it doesn't always happen. So, again, those that don't adhere with this might be afraid to show transparency. Not always, but it is a bit of a warning sign that maybe they're not too keen on showing that transparency as to what is in the food and the nutritional value of them. And finally, branded versus unbranded. So there will be loads of brands that you say, oh, I'll never, never buy anything that's not this certain brand because I'm used to this certain brand and you've got that brand loyalty. Um, which, yep, there might be some, some things that definitely are better um, by certain brands. But there's lots of things that there's absolutely no difference um, so oats are a really good example of this. Oats, if you look on the back of the package of whatever different brand of oats, oats are usually oats. And it's 100% oats in whatever you're buying. Um, the difference might be some may be grown organically and some are not. So that, that might be a difference in some, but generally oats are oats. The same goes for Weetabix. If you actually look on the ingredients on Weetabix um, with branded and unbranded, Often these are exactly the same. The same goes for pasta. Obviously, there's different types of pasta. You could have whole grain pasta. You could have white pasta. You could have organic pasta. But if you're looking for whole grain pasta that is not organic, the ingredients will be the same on both package on both packages. And um, so you're obviously just paying for a brand or packaging if you're going for the more expensive brand. So. 
what is the take-home message? Well, I think from the last few points we've covered, hopefully you will realise that the take-home message is that the higher the cost, the prettier the packaging, the brand and the promoted features do not always mean that it's the most nutritious. So I hope this podcast has been useful for you to give you a bit of insight as to how you can manage those marketing traps when you're choosing your food, how you can get the most nutrition on board and how you can just generally feel healthier and happier without breaking the bank. So if you found this useful, I would really encourage you to make Health Contagious and share it with somebody else. And if you've got any questions, please reach out. It's anna at leakhealth.co.uk. Um, or you can find more about me and Leap Health and the workshops, the health workshops that we offer at www.leaphealth.co.uk. Have a great day and make health contagious. <laughs>